welcome to the Money Mastery Unleashed podcast. If you're looking to create generational wealth, increase your net worth, and create your best financial life, then this is the show for you. Now get ready to enhance your finances with your host and certified financial advisor, Adam Olson. Today I got a great episode that you guys are going to love. We're going to talk about some IRMA tax penalties. I have a couple guests with me today, Dan and Mark, on the show. And really, this is one of those, I did a, so these guys, a couple weeks ago, we did an intro interview, and it was one of those glass break moments for me. A couple of those that I've had in my life was figuring out what the rule of 72 was in high school, and then figuring out that you actually have to get a job to make an income in college. And this was another huge glass breaking moment in my career where we talk about this IRMA penalty. So I'm very familiar with it from the retiree standpoint. We do a lot of these situational planning for clients and retirees. But what we're going to talk about today is this is applicable to people really in their 30s, 40s, and 50s as well, planning down the road. So before we jump into everything, we're going to talk about the problem, talk about how it will affect you, and then we're going to give you solutions. But I just want a quick intro from you guys, if you give me a little bit on your bio what, you, what your history in the industry is, if you would, real quick. Let's start with Dan first, if you don't mind. Well, thank you very much for the introduction, Adam, um, and the opportunity to speak and talk to, talk to your, your client prospects. Uh, name is Dan McGrath, financial professional for well over 30 years, broke in on the money management side, working with what is now today um, one of the larger money managers in, in, the, in the world. Um, from there, as we were working with money management, we realized healthcare is the subject or is happens to be a an expense that many in the financial industry are not necessarily focusing in on. And what we've done since uh, moving out of the money management platform was trying to bring an awareness towards the cost of healthcare. And from there, that turned into Irma. And as turning into Irma, I've been working on this subject for about 10 years, 12 years since the inception of Irma. I've written a couple books on Medicare, on Social Security, on the subject of Irma, and then partnered with Mark about 10 years ago to bring software to the general public and to financial professionals so they can address this situation. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. How about you, Mark? So, uh, yeah, thanks again for having us on. This is great. Um, <clears throat> so I, again, as Dan had mentioned, have been doing this with him for about the past 10 years. Uh, my history was small business owner, sold off to my company a little bit ago and jumped back in doing this, which would be the creation of the software, creation of the designation, and a lot of the research and presentations on Irma, just getting everybody uh, educated on this. So since re uh, kind of putting this back together we now have you know a bunch of partners we work with in pushing this information out and again you know working with dan who has been kind of the forefront of this we've really become uh, the go-to the go-to people for this in the industry so it's been a it's been a great ride and we get to talk to great people like you so it's uh so it's great i'm just curious guys so you know i've been a financial planner 13 years now and i'm very familiar with this concept that we have to work with on people in retirement this this medicare tax if you will what made you guys think of this doing the software start working on this for people in the younger years Where, where did that come from so that's a great question when you look at the impact of this right so the impact of this doesn't happen until you actually already retire. And once you retire, there's very few moves that you can make to mitigate a lot of this. You know, you can do some things like some Roth conversions, or if you have a bunch of money, maybe do some sort of like cash value life, but there's not a lot of moves you can make. So what ends up happening is you really have to go downstream and really grab someone who's at a younger age to say, listen, you know, there is a traditional way of planning. And now based on some of the rules and regulations that have changed around like the Medicare, Social Security and uh, things like Irma, there might be a better way to plan. And if there isn't a better way, at least you understand what's coming down the road. So by grabbing someone in their um, mid to late 40s, all the way up to whatever year they retire, that's really uh, that's really kind of the meat and potatoes years on where something can be done to set yourself up to be successful in retirement. Gotcha. Check. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting this designation done with you guys this year. I think it'll be life changing for myself and a lot of clients when we start using this in our planning conversations. But let's start now. I know you have this excellent slide deck that we're going to use today. Let's dig in and talk about what exactly we're referring to when we talk about an IRMA. 
And then let's talk about how it affects people from a cost standpoint. So let's go ahead and dig into the slide deck. Absolutely. So uh, you can see my, uh, you can see that here. Check. Yep. Got it. Perfect. All right. So we're going to start here, but you know, what is IRMA? IRMA basically stands for Medicare's income related monthly adjustment amount. And what that is, the, the kind of simple brass tacks of this, it's a surcharge above and beyond Medicare's base premiums for Part B and D. So basically, anybody that enters into retirement, they uh, end up taking Medicare, they're going to be paying a base premium. IRMA is a surcharge on top of that base premium based on how much money someone makes in retirement. So if you make over uh, right now in 2024, it's $103,000 as an individual. From there up, there are multiple brackets that each bracket you traverse, you add on um, a surcharge onto your Medicare bill. And again, yeah. It will go through how that works a little bit down the road. So and it, it's based, that's what IRMA is. It's an income-related monthly adjustment amount. So when we look at um, where it came from, it's in a bunch of different places inside the, the government. We have it in the Medicare handbook. We have in the Social Security handbook, uh, Program Operations Manual, and the Code of Federal Regulations. So if you and or everybody listening really has a night they need to fall asleep, they can go in and really read any of these things and it'll put them right out. Uh, Dan was the one that was uh, had pushed through and actually went and read these things. God love them. Uh, but that's where all of these kind of live. And you can see they're, you know, they're been around since like 2003 and they can't keep uh, cascading through different parts of, of the government there. So moving along, we look at if we have this thing called IRMA, which is a surcharge and it's based on income, how is Medicare and Social Security and the IRS determining that income, right? And they determine it through the uh, modified and adjusted gross income. So in, uh, if you look at your IRS form 1040 from 2022, that's going to be on lines 2A and 11. So the reason we use this example of 2022 is uh, Medicare does a two-year look back on your income. It doesn't look at the last year because a lot of people haven't filed their taxes in the previous year. So it does a two-year look back. And that's yep. why particularly it's on this one. So it's uh, they're looking at your modified and adjust, adjusted gross income. And what does the modified adjusted gross income look like? That looks like this. It looks like anything taxable Social Security. We all know Social Security isn't fully taxable. There's that portion. So it's a taxable portion of Social Security. Any type of wages you're doing in retirement. You have your pension income, any rental income from Airbnbs, homes, vacation homes, anything like that. Uh, cap gains, you have dividends, any qualified annuity traditional 401k, the distributions, traditional IRA distributions, any traditional 403b distributions, uh, 457s and SEP IRAs. So a lot, all these really fall in that modified adjusted gross income. And this is what uh, Social Security, IRS and Medicare look at to determine what those thresholds are. You know, one thing that catches a lot of my clients is when they sell a business in retirement. So Absolutely. say they're say they're on Medicare over the age of 65 and they decide, hey, I'm going to exit the business now and we sell for whatever, whatever the 1 million, 5 million, whatever we sell the business yep. for. Well, they get that lovely notice in two years that, hey, your Medicare premium is going from 174 to five or 600, whatever it is at the time. And that is a little bit of shock to the system when they see that, especially if it's a husband or wife. Right. And so this is important not only for people you know on medicare experiencing this now but for people today in their 40s who do have that business if they do plan to exit eventually knowing what we're going to talk about today is huge for those people to understand as well yeah i totally agree with that so that's an amazing point and something that a lot of people don't look at when they're actually doing that retirement planning after learning this so there's a couple different things one uh you look at a small business owner that's going to exit a business they're going to have to look at how do I want to structure that exit for two reasons. One, you got to do tax planning on that. Two, you're going to have to do IRMA planning on that. So are you going to take a distribution each year that keeps you under a certain threshold of IRMA just to mitigate those costs and to mitigate taxes? So there really is some uh, uh, business exiting planning going on there for that. Another thing that's happening now uh, for a lot of people is sale of house. So when you uh, enter farther into your retirement, you're in your 70s, 
you may have to sell a house, uh, either downsizing, you need to sell it for you know money for care of some sort. When you sell that house, that portion of that cap gains is used for your modified adjusted gross income. So you could later on in your retirement spike your income for one year, therefore putting you into a higher earner bracket simply because you need to sell a house. You know, and there's a lot of options around there. You know, you have something like a reverse mortgage can get you out of that. And that reverse reverse mortgage can kind of, you know, start spinning off some income, but you're also not selling a house later on down the road. So there's so it's a great point that you bring up that there is that planning around exit of a business that, you know, working with someone like yourself, they can plan out. But there are those other pieces along the way, which is you know, selling off stock or selling a house or a second home or something like that. It's, you know, how is that going to impact this picture also? So that's a great point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry to sorry to go off on a tangent. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's great. So um, now let's, let's look at, based on what we just talked about, you know, what do these brackets look like? So we have uh, six brackets, if you, if you don't count the first one, five. And uh, anybody below $103,000 in individual modified adjusted gross income is going to be paying $174.70 a month. So that's your base premium, which kind of everybody gets once they get in there. As a couple, it's 206. And then you're going to just double that part B because you need it for both for both people in retirement. As you uh, traverse through these uh, these brackets, you're going to see, you know, it's one, 103 to 129 and, you know, 129 to 161 for that individual and your Part B increases. So that's one thing that people are starting to hear is about that Part B increase, right? What a lot of people don't hear is the Part D increase. So what ends up happening is your Part D premiums are predicated on three things. They're predicated on your location, your gender, and your age. But once you start hitting these IRMA brackets, there are also those surcharges on your Part D also. So you can see in, in the second line, we have 103,000 of your individual um, modified adjusted gross income. Your base premium is $244 for your Part B and for your Part D, it's your base premium Part D plus $12.90 a month. So every year, I'm sorry, every threshold, you do add more and more to your Part D premium as well as your Part B premium. Yep. And Mark, if you want, if, if I can piggyback on that, when talking Absolutely. about Part D, the, the wake-up call when you start looking at the inflation rates of what we know, and Mark's going to talk about what we know a little bit further um, in this conversation, we know that the projected rate of inflation just on the premiums alone for Part D are going to be about 6% per year annually through at least 2028, because that's what the Inflation Reduction Act is actually capping health insurers and what they can, or health, the health providers of prescription drug plan coverage. They've capped the amount of what they can inflate at. So it's about 6% annually for at least the next six to eight years. And then when you look at where Irma is increasing. So as Mark was pointing out to that um, to that slide, each bracket has its own inflation rate. So when you look at each inflation rate, what you're going to see is that they are going to be inflating by about anywhere between 11 to 7 percent, seven and a half percent. So you're you're dealing with much larger numbers going forward, and this is all data that's provided by the actual federal government from the Medicare Board of Trustees. Great. So we didn't want to break that. Just wanted to throw that little bit of information. Yeah, no, no. Awesome. I appreciate it. So now we're looking at all these brackets, right? We see what the income for the modified adjusted gross income is going to be. We see what your base premium is going to be. And we also see what some of your surcharges are going to be. So a lot of people say, well, I don't know how many people this is going to really impact. So should I have to worry about it? We take a look. Uh, on the next slide we have, we're gonna look at a, a grid of who this impacts. So this past year, 2023, we had about 7 million IRMA letters went out in the beginning of November to people that traversed that first income bracket and they're gonna get surcharged. So there was 6.8 million people for Part B and you had about 5.8 million also got the Part D. When we look at the impact of what that's gonna do, that's going to bring in revenue at about $20 billion for the federal government. So now we look at, this is really, and Dan likes to call it a tax on a tax, right? 
So you get your Social Security tax, you get your Medicare, and then because you make too much money, which you're getting taxed on, you then get another income tax, which is this IRMA bracket, which they're looking at bringing about $20 billion in 2000, about $23 billion in 2024. So between 2023 and 2031, the total revenue they're looking to get as projected right now, obviously it changes year to year, is like $355 billion in extra revenue. So each year you're looking at, you know, next year they're projecting 8 million people are going to be getting Part B. And all the way to 2031, they're looking at a Part B IRMA, people hitting IRMA and Part B at 13 million people. So this is affecting an amazing amount of people and also bringing in an amazing amount of money. Yeah, it's a good revenue source for the government. We can it's, say it's, a, it's another good revenue source for the government, yes. <laughs> now, what's, what's crazy to think about is, is, you know, you're taxed on Medicare today. Not only is that true today, but then you're also hit with a premium at right. retirement as well. Right, right. So that's, so it is, it's a widespread issue. And, you know, yep. you had talked about earlier is why do we want to talk to people that are younger, that, you know, that are in their mid to late 40s, all the way up to early 60s, is because if you look at the numbers, millions and millions of people are getting surcharged. You know, we're again, we're going to get 8 million people next year. And how many of those 8 million could we have avoided by doing a little better planning because people knew about this? Yeah, the, the earlier we can catch them, the better off we are. Right. So let's we're going to talk a little bit about um, how the relationship between Social Security and Medicare actually works. Right. So we talked a little bit about this earlier, but when you uh, retire and you decide to take your Social Security check, you're also opting in to Medicare. <clears throat> if you do not opt into Medicare, you have one reason where you do not have to opt into it. And if that's if you are currently employed and either you or your spouse have credible health insurance or creditable health insurance, which means um, you're getting fully covered by that uh, by that health insurance. And a lot of it happens like if your spouse has that and then they retire, then you no longer have and you're both on Medicare. So you must accept those uh, that Medicare. The problem with that is if you do not have credible health insurance and you choose to get Social Security, Social Security can choose to claw back any benefits that were paid. They can also assess penalties that are compounding and also perpetual. So you're going to have your Social Security check, which is going to have a deduction of Medicare, which is also going to have a penalty, which is also compounding and also perpetual. So the best part about this, we call it the best part about it, is you have all these fees and all these taxes on that Social Security check of yours, but you're still getting taxed on the full amount of your Social Security check regardless of how much you actually get after after it. So um, the Part B, the Part A premiums typically are already paid. Your Part B gets automatically deducted and your Part D is optional. So that's kind of how, how that works. So we have a little letter here from the from the government, basically from the Social Security Administration, just showing that uh, again, it's for the, the people that are looking, not for the people that can hear it. But it basically says we're we're taking your Social Security benefit uh, away because your Medicare premiums are higher than your uh, your Social Security. All this is showed to illustrate is essentially the last thing we talked about, which is yeah. Medicare does come out of your Social Security. Yeah, and we're I would say you're anticipating these to become more and more common as the years go on, right? Um, the Irma letters. Yeah, like what bonus right here where people actually have to pay for their Medicare versus. Well, so yeah, we, we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, right. We're just illustrating here that, you know, a lot of people don't understand that your Medicare comes directly out of your Social Security yep. check. So a lot of times we like to illustrate, say, listen, this isn't actually something that's made up. You know, here's an example of a, a, a document directly from Social Security saying, hey, we're taking Medicare out of your Social Security check. Gotcha. Gotcha. So. Let's jump ahead quick and we're going to look at your uh, inflation rate. So we look at um, the inflation rates of Medicare over the past 20 years. It's been around 7.4. This was last year, 7.42%. So every year, those uh, those premiums and those surcharges are inflating at 7.24%, uh, 7.42%. 
what happened previously, and this is a, one of the reasons a lot of advisors and a lot of people didn't really hear about this. When you're inflating a $20 Medicare premium for the next year, that is a very, very small number. Like it's $21. It's now you're paying $21. And that's not really going to be hurting someone's social security check. When your Medicare premiums are now in the hundreds and you're daisy chaining that inflation rate, which they are now, now it becomes a problem. So before it wasn't a problem because the numbers for the Medicare premiums were so low, it was negligible. As you're moving ahead, now in 2024, these numbers really do have uh, more of an impact. So historically, it was at 7.442%. Uh, the projected rate we had from last year at 6.3%. When we're doing any type of conversation, any type of modeling with uh, an advisor or a client, we use that previous number. The projected one, it, you know, it's you might as well take that to Disney World because it's it doesn't really mean much of anything. It's that those historical numbers, which everything really should be based off of. So let's look at uh, the cost of living adjustment. So this is something that a lot of people in retirement, they kind of bank on. It's like, you know, how much more money am I going to be making every year? Uh, and all the cost of living adjustment is it's an increase on year to year to help off offset inflation. Uh, it's very low. Uh, I think the projected rate, and we'll look at it in a second over the next you know couple of years, is like 2.4%. So it's very low. Uh, and it's also, this is uh, based off of your CPIU, and that's done on a year by year basis. So if we look at kind of what those look like, in 2023, it was 8.7%. Uh, there was a nice little bump there. But as you uh, kind of traverse down through the years, 24, 25, 26, you're looking at a 2.4% COLA. So that's very, very low. The problem with that is you have your uh, your Medicare and your IRMA inflation rates are double or triple that depending on what you're looking at. So yeah. at some point, you have a little issue there with costs and benefits. Yeah, and compound that over 20 years, 30 years, that's exactly. where the situation gets even more more pertinent for 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds to start planning today. It's exactly. wild to look at. Exactly. And that's what we just talked about, you know, again, is, you know, what happens when coal inflation rates are not keeping pace with each other, you're going to start losing your benefit at a much quicker rate. So one thing that we do have is we do have this Hold Harmless Act. And, you know, Dan, if you want, I'll let you run down to the Hold Harmless Act because he knows like the back of his hand. Yeah. So, so the yeah. Hold Harmless Act, yeah. Can you hear me? Yep. Oh, sorry, Paul. I just want to make sure because I was talking. Um, the Hold Harmless Act basically was created to ensure that anyone that's receiving Social Security benefits and that is also enrolled into Medicare Part B can never see their Part their Social Security benefits be decreased year over year because of Medicare Part, Part B premiums. We saw this in 2015, again in 2016, where Part B inflated by, and I'm just using round numbers, Part B inflated by 10%. Social Security didn't give a COLA. There were a few years that didn't give a COLA. As Marcus pointed out, everyone's Medicare premiums come out of your Social Security check. So if Social Security doesn't give a COLA, and your Social Security benefit doesn't increase. If Medicare premiums increase, you're going to get a lower Social Security benefit the next year. What Congress did back in 84 was state no one's Social Security benefit can be decreased. So your Social Security benefit, what you're receiving in 2023, is what you're going to be receiving in 2024, regardless of how Medicare premium Part B premiums increase. Now, the issue that happens and why people need to be paying attention to IRMA is when you start looking at the bullet points. In 2009, through the Medicare Fairness Act, Congress changed the rules to state that anyone that re reaches Medicare's IRMA no longer is afforded the protection of the Hold Harmless Act. So if you go into IRMA and let's say there is no coal, let's say the end of this year, inflation is negligible. No one's going to get a coal into 2025. Medicare, which we keep hearing the program is becoming insolvent, they increase premiums by, let's say, 50%. Just as an example, those that are in IRMA will not receive any protection. Their Social Security benefit will go down. So, if so we beauty, go ahead. No, go ahead, Dan. Finish up. Sorry. So, so the beauty of the Hold Harmless Act, for those that are never in IRMA, your Social Security benefit can't go down. For those that are in IRMA, not only will you be paying higher Medicare Part B premiums and Part D premiums, which can come out of your Social Security check if you so choose, your Social Security benefit may not possibly grow. It may actually become negative. Which is not so a, there's a big Do you guys know what percent 
of the people on Medicare in 2030, 2031 are going to be getting these ERMA letters? Do you know? 25, 25%. So 20%, wow. 25%. So this goes back to uh, 2014, where Congress and in the then presidential administration passed forward legislation that stated they wanted 25% of all medic eligible Medicare beneficiaries to be with inside of Irma. When you start looking at the projections put forth by the trustees, that 25% is going to be about by 2026, 2027. And it'll be a little bit over 25% by 2030, 2032. So what we like to tell people are those that are saving and working with financial professionals and doing what is the traditional way of financial planning, which does work. It works. We're not knocking it in any way whatsoever, but we will say, hey, the rules have changed. And unfortunately, the rules have changed because you're you're also in competition with the federal government that, that needs money. And they figured out, hey, if we just change the rules a little bit, we can get that money. So what we're trying to bring light is, yeah, the people that are saving money correctly. And, and I'm sorry to say this out loud. If we look at a population as a whole, really, what is the percentage of people saving for retirement? We see the surveys. It's about 25 yep. percent. So people that are that are, are taking responsibility for their future and people that can save for retirement, not saying that it's only people that are taking responsibility for people just can't save, but those that can save and that are planning responsibly, well, there's a target on their back through Irma. And by the way, this is all public record. Yeah, this is why I said this was a, when you guys showed me this first, it was pretty, my mind was kind of blown by this. I actually went and changed my 401k deferrals to post-tax after our good man. last. <laughs> good good man. Man. So to, to, to further elaborate, I'm going to, pay to further elaborate now, it, it all comes down to who's eligible and who's not eligible for Medicare's Irma. And when yeah. we say that, anyone that is receiving financial help to pay their premium can never be placed into Irma. That is part of one of the rules. So if you are receiving financial help to help offset the premiums and you can show that you have a lack of income, then you can't be placed into Irma. Believe it or not, about 25 to 27% of everyone enrolled in a Medicare is receiving financial help. So if we take out that 20, let's call it 25% of the people, when you look at the number of people in Irma today, it's about 6.7 to almost 7 million people. That's about 15, 16% of the eligible Medicare beneficiaries in Irma. By 2020, uh, 2031, according to recent reports from the trustees, that number is going to almost double to about 13.1 by 2031. So in seven years, it's going to double. What is the rule of 72? Yeah, wow. It's, it's, it, Everything that we're teaching, the financial industry is teaching their their clients, is it's it, it's being applied here. Now it's just a question of changing or or tacking with the rules as the rules change. Yeah, you know, one thing that's funny is we always with our clients, you know, one of the conversations that we have every year is how can we lower taxes, you know, pre-tax investments, SEPs, 401ks. What can we do to keep the income down? Well, I think once we show people the the software that you guys use. Yeah, and how much that projects projects in health savings for them in retirement. I think we're really going to start changing how we look at paying taxes today. Because I would say the general consensus is is that taxes probably are not going to go down in the right. future. And so, <laughs> you know, I, I would say that's the general consensus. So I think once we show them the software, once we talk about the software. I think it's really going to be a mind shift for a lot of people that are listening to this on how they view paying taxes today yeah. and what that relates to their taxes and their Medicare premiums in retirement. Yeah. And, 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 and I, go ahead. I just want to piggyback since we're talking about tax. I don't want to steal Mark's thunder later on. And this might this hopefully will set up Mark's thunder. Since we're talking about taxes, what you have to realize is because of the rule changes, everyone wants to mitigate taxes, obviously today. Everyone wants to pay as little as humanly possible. The problem with paying as little as humanly possible today is later on in retirement, because of these changes and the way the federal government is acting, you're going to be taxed four different, a minimum of four different ways on that $1 you're not paying today on tax law. You're going to take out the RMD. That's going to count as ordinary income, which you stated. Tax rates are most likely going up. We know that the sunset provision in 2026, taxes yep. are going to go up. So now that dollar comes out, and it then, as Mark will show you, it's going to go towards the taxation of your Social Security benefit. So now your tax on your Social Security benefit, that's the second tax. Then they take that 
dollar and they add it to the taxable Social Security benefit, and that brings you into IRMA, which increases your Medicare premium. There's another tax. Now, your Medicare premiums, and we're showing you through the Hold Harmless Act, come directly out of your Social Security benefit. There's a solid possibility if you don't plan correctly, and again, I don't want to steal Mark's thunder, and it'll be set up for Mark, you're going to possibly lose more than 100% of your Social Security benefit. Think of that. You're going to lose more than 100% of your Social Security benefit. So when you're talking about taxes and looking towards the future, you're going to be taxed a minimum of four different ways on the dollar that you're trying to avoid paying back today, the way we like to describe it. If you're young, healthy, working, earning a paycheck and can afford it, should you pay tax or would you rather wait till when you're older, you no longer are working, you're no longer earning a paycheck and you need the money? When should you pay tax? Yeah, that's the... That's and everyone the, is saying, I want to wait till I'm retired. I have no more income coming in. That's when I want it. When I need the money the most, that's when I want to pay tax. Right. So if I put it in a movie, no one would believe it. So, you know, Dan, kind of bring this right to this next one, which is perfect. You know, what happens when your Medicare premiums to hide the social security benefit, right? We just talked about it. <clears throat> this is another uh, another form or another letter right from Social Security Administration. And I'll, you know, for the people who are just listening, I'll read it. Uh, it says, your monthly medical insurance premium is 527.50. The monthly benefit that you should get is less than your medical insurance premiums. We are stopping your monthly benefits starting December 22 to pay for the part of this premium. After adjusting for your monthly benefits, we find that we must bill you for $13.53. So what this says, again, what Dan just talked about, is this individual, their Medicare premiums were higher than their Social Security benefit, which means they lost their Social Security benefit. They're paying money for Medicare out of pocket. They're also getting charged for the taxes on their on the the taxes on the Social Security benefit they never receive. So again, this is one of those examples we have to show that this is a real thing. This actually does happen. Yeah, that's wild. You know, in the planning that I do with clients, if they're under 50, we just don't plan on Social Security when we're doing retirement income planning. Yeah. But we never factor pain in for Medicare. Right. And so that could be a big shift for retirement income possibilities for those people. Well, it's huge because, you know, that's a great, that's a great point. So when you look at how a lot of, um, uh, not, I'm not just going to pin this on the financial professionals. It's actually the financial software, right? The yeah. software doesn't take it into consideration. So how are you as a financial professional supposed to do your job if you're not given the tools to do it? Yeah, no. So it's a, it's a big problem that we've presented here, right? So not only for people close to this age, but for younger people as well. Yep. Can we, now I know we're going to get to it right now, but let's talk about some solutions yeah, that people can not only use in their 40s, but maybe in their late 50s and 60s that they can plan to hopefully avoid this larger tax penalty. Yeah, absolutely. So if we're looking at the screen now, for those of you who are listening, you know, we have six different ways that you can do this, right? You have Roth accounts, you have certain life insurance policies, there's specific annuities that have uh, tax exclusion ratios, you have foreign H plans, HSAs or home equity. So when you're looking at a lot of these things, if you're pre-retirement, you can do, you can either start a Roth account, right? And start putting money into that. Or if you have something like a 401k, you can take that and convert it into Roth. So that's a huge thing we see a lot of people doing. Uh, what you also see, which is great, is we've seen a lot of clients that are now inside retirement that are doing Roth conversions. Because you can do that over you know, five years, as long as you, know, you have different things set up. And I'll get into those details right now. But you have the ability to use Roth at, what, at whatever point. Um, IULs, cash value life insurance, is just if you have the ability um, through uh, you know proper health and income to get into those, those are fantastic because you can just take loans out of the principle of that, and that's not considered income, and that gets rid of all those taxes. Again, um, specific annuities, anything with a tax exclusion ratio, anything with inside that tax exclusion ratio is not considered for uh, for Irma. So this is those are a lot of things you can do. And again, you know, working with you, Adam, if you if you're working with someone that is uh, 45 to 65 or even younger, it's making sure they know that, hey, 
you know, like my son, my son's uh, going to be 20 this year and he's going to be getting a uh, cash value life insurance policy. It's going to cost us like $900 for a year. Whereas if you have someone in thirties and forties, your premiums creep up, which is why it's not advantageous for someone in their late fifties or sixties, unless they're paying that full premium right up front. But getting someone that is in their thirties and forties that can do that cash value life is amazing because the premiums are so small at that point. And the, and the value and the return in retirement is so much larger than just the, uh, the cash value of it. It's, it's not being taxed. And yeah. that's the biggest piece of it. Yeah. That so is... and, and, to, and to couple with Mark saying, when talking to somebody that's in their teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, yes, can you ultimately look like you're saving more in a traditional 401k or traditional IRA? Yeah. No, not even disputing it. If you were to take a look at the money that you're putting in it, say, for Mark's son at the age of 20, and you applied it to a traditional 401k or a traditional IRA, by the time you get to 65, it should easily outperform that life policy. But now right. when you start factoring in taxation and the rules that are that are today and the way we'd like to preference it is, we know the federal government isn't necessarily doing well fiscally. Simple question. Is that going to change in 20, 30, 40 years? Is the federal government ever going to start running a surplus? Unlikely, I would say. General right. consumers, I would say. So, so let's... we know this isn't going away. So that's why you look at for, for a kid and, it, and you have to show them that, yeah, you might have a bigger nest egg, but that power of that dollar, that money, isn't even remotely close to the same as, let's say, life insurance or even a Roth account. Right. Cool. Um, so, Adam, I know you wanted to. Let's jump to a couple of illustrations here. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Let's kind of round out this hour with that. Uh, you know, I appreciate all the time we're putting all this. So uh, can you see my screen here? Got it. All right. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to run a quick illustration, which is going to show what someone looks like now and what we can do with their retirement to help mitigate some of these costs. So we're going to do um, a male that's 48 years old and single. So what this does, it just creates that record, super easy. And at that point, now we can go in and look at three different scenarios. When we work at this, we say, hey, let's do the first scenario, which is what, what I look like right now, right? So we go and hit add scenario, and we look at a couple different things. The first thing is residency during retirement. Actually, the first thing is your tax status, but that was done before yeah. because for each tax status, as we saw in the breakdown, that has a, a you know a different premium to go with it. So the next piece is your residency residency during retirement. We talked about uh, Part D. So your Part D premium is predicated again on your age, your location, and your sex. So we can do a differential here that says, hey, you know, we're going to put Mark in Massachusetts for his foundational and then maybe move him to Florida to see if we want to do a differential on that. So um, one second. And this is powerful. What you're going to show us right now and talk about right now is very powerful. Yeah. So this again, this allows it there. So now we go down to our uh, income and this is where kind of the rubber hits the road with everything. Traditional 401k. We have a traditional 401k and some Social Security. Going to make this as simple as possible and easy to understand so we can talk through it. Let's say uh, at retirement, this person's gonna have $3,200 with a COLA of 2%, getting that benefit at 65. Your 401k, we're gonna have this person has 750,000 in a 401k, rate of return 6%, and the monthly withdrawal minimum is $1,000. So when we put that in, that's $1,000 a month until RMDs kick in. And when RMDs kick in, if this number is lower than RMDs, the software automatically uh, calculates those RMDs. Now, what we really care about is this, your target monthly income. What do we want this person to be making after taxes? And let's say it's six grand a month, and we're going to put a 1.5% income uh, inflation rate over the, the length of retirement there, because we're going to need to make a little bit more money, you know, because nothing like groceries go up every, day, every year, right? Then we're going to look at our Medicare Part B with your current base premium. We're going to go with average historical inflation rate. We're going to add in Medicare Part D and put a historical inflation rate there. That's all we need to run this. Again, super easy. As long as you have your numbers right on your um, on your uh, assets, you get a pretty good idea of what's going. So quick look at this person. The Medicare costs are going to be almost a million dollars. The federal taxes, because of the type of assets, is going to be around 513000 And your total costs are uh, 1.4, almost $1.5 million because of the way the retirement's set up. The number below that we have is called out-of-pocket expenses. 
So those out-of-pocket expenses, there's only one thing. That is how much this person is going to be paying for their Medicare premiums and surcharges after their Social Security has been exhausted. This isn't deductibles. This isn't prescription drugs. It's how much they're going to be paying for the premiums that should have been taken out of their Social Security check. But since their Social Security check is no longer there, they're paying this out-of-pocket. So if we jump over to see the scenario, we can look down at our financial overview and see just quick and dirty here, year 2041, 65, this person's making $50,000 in total income. Total taxable is only 14 because the majority of the social security is not taxable at that point. The tax bracket is 12%. The amount of taxes coming off of that is 16, set about 1,700. And the Medicare part B and D cost together is $9,600 for that year. The remaining income we have off of that 50,000 is $39,000 before state taxes, and the target income is 72, which means we're at a shortfall of $33,000 there. Not awesome, but not, you know, not horrible. But as we traverse down to retirement, we see this little orange line here, and that's an IRMA bracket. So before I hit that IRMA bracket, I'm making $107,000 in retirement. 99,000 of that is taxable. I'm in a 24% federal tax bracket. 23,000 is coming out of taxes. And again, this is without deductions or anything like that. Yeah. But we have 23,000 in Medicare Part B and D expenses. Again, premium and surcharges only. So out of that 107,000, I'm making I'm walking away with 59,000. My target was 87, which means I'm at a shortfall of 28. The next year, when I'm 79, I traverse an income bracket. So we have the numbers here, but the what we want to focus on is that IRMA number, that Medicare number. Before I hit a IRMA bracket, I was make I had to pay 23,000 in Medicare Part B and D premium costs. After I went over that IRMA bracket, it jumped almost $11,000 to $34,000 simply because I went over an IRMA bracket. And if you look, because I made $4,000 extra, I'm losing $11,000 in IRMA costs because I made $4,000 too much. And that happens again at 85. That's why. Yeah. Go ahead. You know, that's that's not a crazy high income for a retiree to have either. That is not a crazy high income. And so I can only imagine, I mean, we won't do it, but I mean, if we were to bump that income up to 10, 15 or 20,000, I can only imagine this would escalate far sooner and far more extreme as well. Yeah, correct. Because you get into a higher IRMA bracket, which means your premium base cost is higher. So that inflation rate is just burning it at a higher rate. Yeah, that's interesting. So Can you show the solution to this? Yeah. So what I want to jump in quick is just show the Social Security part of it. Okay. So this is Social Security check. Thirty-eight thousand in benefit. Your Medicare costs are ninety-six hundred, but only five percent of it is being taxed, which means your remaining is twenty-eight. As you traverse down through your retirement, we hit the eighty-five percent Social Security tax bracket at seventy-seven. So that's the most they're going to be taxed. Remember that number seventy-seven. We're going to come back to that later. But at seventy-nine, we've traversed that income that IRMA bracket with our total income. Yep. So our Medicare costs are thirty-four thousand, which means our Social Security check is sixteen thousand dollars. That's without taxes. That's just Medicare. As we scroll down at age 86, our Medicare costs at 78 are more than our Social Security check. So our Social Security is 58. Our Medicare is 78, which means we're negative $20,000, which means that $20,000 I'm paying out of my pocket. And I'm, then I'm paying 24,000 when I'm 87, 29,000, 35, and 40. So that's where that out-of-pocket cost comes because I no longer have that Social Security check. I'm getting taxed 85% of a number I'm not even getting. Okay, hold on here a second. So again, this isn't a crazy high-income person, right? And this person, when they're 86, no longer gets a Social Security check. Correct. They actually have to write Medicare a check and pay for their Medicare benefit. Correct. And that, yeah. if we jump back quickly, that is this letter. Gotcha. Okay, one question. In that situation, if those clients still have HSA dollars, they could use those HSA dollars to pay that Medicare premium, right? Bingo. Okay. Yes. Okay. Great question. That's Amazing. why we 
That's why we all always argue, like, your small business owner that's selling a company, one of the things that they should have before selling the company, they should have when they set one up, set up the small business, is a 401H plan. It, yep. 401H plan is a, is a health savings account on steroids. Yep, yep. So let's jump ahead quickly and do that new scenario you asked about. So, again, we just hit the new scenario button, and we're going in. We're going to keep a lot of things the same, tax status, residency. We're going to keep your Social Security because that can't be changed. We're going to still put in that traditional 401k, but just for argument's sake, we're going to add in life insurance here, right? So your Social Security, we're going to have $3,200, same 2% COLA. Your 401k, though, we're going to reduce that to $250. We're still going to have the uh, rate of return at 6% and still have $1,000 of monthly withdrawal. The life insurance, because we move money out, let's say we found $4,000 a month we can have in that um in that monthly loan we pay to ourselves, or $4,000 a monthly loan. And we're going to have a target, again, of $6,000 per month at a 1.5% inflation rate of income. And we're going to do Part B and D. Again, everything else stays the same. And we're going to view that report. What we're going to see is in the first scenario on our comparison report when this pops up, is your IRMA had been reached in the first one, and the second one, we didn't reach it. So you look at the comparison here. Medicare costs previously were nine seventy four. dollars now there's 685. The federal taxes went from 513 down to 93,000. Your total costs went from almost 1.5 million down to seven, almost uh, 775,000. So you've almost halved that. But the biggest thing is the number below that, which is your out-of-pocket cost, is at zero now. What that means is this person did not lose their Social Security benefit. So if we jump in to the scenario and look at it. We just do a visual eye check. You just look down. There's no horizontal orange lines, which means there has not been uh, an IRMA bracket traversed here. We jump over to the uh, Social Security benefit. And if you look, same thing, no orange lines. And on all the way to the end, the total stays green, which means this person has not lost their Social Security check. All you did was move uh, two thirds of a 401k into life insurance paid whatever taxes that was, and you saved yourself, we go back here, $700,000 and $150,000 in out-of-pocket costs. That's wild. If you, were my, uh, if you were my financial planner showing this to me, I think I'd be shaking your hand and saying thank you. <laughs> I, I don't think I'd hesitate to cut you a check out of that. <laughs> a lot of that and a lot of scowls, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> That's no, this is super powerful. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be implementing this software in my practice this year. You guys have a client facing software though, correct? Yeah, we do. So um we just launched this recently, actually, recently as of two days ago, that allows you to go into our site and hit the DIY spot of it. And you can go in and your clients can run this themselves. They just hit it. It's it's a $20 report and it shows basically the same amount of stuff and it has downloads. So these clients can do it on their own and then bring it to you and go, hey, hey, listen, this is what I found. How do I how do I fix this? And now, you know, again, you knowing this information, which puts you in the top one percent of financial professionals in the country, you're going to be able to fix this for them. Yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough. I had a client uh, sold a business my second year in practice, and he came in with that wonderful Irma letter. First time I see it, it was my second year in business, and I was kind of shocked by it. And so I've known that for a long time, but I've never thought of going back to a 20, 30, 40, 50 year old and talking about this for future. So this is very powerful what you guys are doing. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. And we appreciate you know people like you jumping in and, and pushing it because it's, it's so it's so important to at least educate people about it, even if there's nothing you can do. Because again, they tell that they tell people and they tell people, and then eventually yeah. people know that there's a train possibly coming down the track. One one quick question because i know we're out of time and thank you much thanks so much guys for doing this well does your software update with the changes like the sunset of the tax cut and jobs act will the software update with that yeah so every year we're doing updates on it we just did our uh our irma updates uh we did some tax updates so we're constantly uh, updating how this thing works okay awesome i mean i think this is extremely important for advisors to learn about as well yeah agreed and so i'll link the do-it-yourself website for client facing, and then I'll also link in the show notes the uh, the advisors where they can look at the certification too, because I'm going to do that here this year so I can get the CFP credits for it. Yeah, and I think that's going to be a very, very, very huge step for our practice to help our clients as well. Yeah, no, it's going to be great, and we we appreciate uh, you kind of carrying the torch on this and getting it out there. It's it's huge, so we really do appreciate it. 
uh, just to sum it up, guys, essentially it's a ticking time bond for people. It doesn't matter if you're 20, 30, 40, 50. Yep. This IRMA penalty is a ticking time bomb waiting to explode once you get on Medicare. And doing a little bit of tax strategy today, looking at Roth deferrals, looking at IUL life insurance. I like to do, um, are you guys familiar with any um, stock basket purchases with non-qualified accounts, direct index investing? <laughs> uh, um, we So I would like to preference, we are not financial professionals. Gotcha. Uh, what we do is we assist you and you tell us what it is. We'll do the research and and figure out how to help you. We're in no way, and we should have said this when we were talking, like when Mark brought up the life insurance, there's no, we don't benefit in any way whatsoever if someone uses life and annuity or Roth conversion in any way. We're just trying to give as much gotcha. information about this tax as humanly possible. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I like to do uh, direct index investing with clients. We can get qualified dividends out of those accounts, which are taxed at a different rate than ordinary dividends. And so that's beneficial to clients in retirement as well, getting those qualified dividends. So just it takes a planner to work with you. Absolutely. To create a strategy for today with this huge IRMA penalty in mind in the future. And just like you showed us in that illustration, switching a little bit of the income buckets saved you, was it $700,000 over your retirement? 700,150 out of pocket. That is wild. Yeah. That is wild to think about. So it's a very, very important thing. I think a lot of consumers, even more advisors are missing the boat on this. Agreed. And so, yeah, I thank you guys for beating the drum on this thing and taking the time today to educate not only me, but to help me educate my clients on this which is going to be a huge shift in our practice over the years to come. Yeah, and absolutely. Again, thanks for carrying the torch on this. And I really appreciate the time you gave uh, both Dan and I on this. And, and yeah. anything we can do to help you out, you know, we're we're here and <laughs> constantly beating this drum. <laughs> yeah, and so you guys mainly focus on getting the advisors the certification, correct? We uh, twofold. So it's um, education, which is the certification, and then illustration, which is the software because you can know the information, but if you don't have a way to illustrate it, then you really can't help out. That is awesome. Do you guys have any closing thoughts? No, uh, you know what, basically what we're, we're doing is we really are looking for, you know, for me personally, I, I've talked to a couple of people about this. Well, one of my favorite books is by uh, Mo Gaudet, right? And it's called uh, Solve Our Happy. And he went to McDonald's route and said, uh, he wants to help make 1 billion people happy. And he has a great story and it's a great book you should read. And I take that and I look at it and I was like, you know what, we want to we want to save 1 million retirements. You know, how, how do we save 1 million retirements? And it's working with people like you that want to get the message and want to help out that'll help us save 1 million of those retirements. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, that's all we have for today then, guys. Thanks so much for your time. Awesome. Appreciate it. 